everybody. Welcome to another brand new episode of Because Cannabis every single Wednesday, 4.20 p.m. on YouTube. Every Thursday, Spotify, and anywhere that you listen to audio, follow us at MeetWM Socially, at Because Cannabis, on a few other places, including YouTube and LinkedIn. My name is BC Wayman. That is Dustin Kava. We are here every week to have wonderful, engaging, informative, dare I say, Dustin Kava, educational <laughs> conversations about the world of cannabis, plant medicines, visionary plants, and all the folks who are in and around the industry like us. How are you doing today, Dustin? I'm doing good today. Very, very good. Very good. We're gonna geek out today. I love it when we get to geek out a little bit. You know that if you have listened to the show, if you have hit subscribe, because of course you have, because we ask you every single show. If you have hit subscribe, you know that when we get a folk with a more science-minded on there, or if we get some people who are in the processing side of it and who are taking your favorite flower, your favorite plant, and they're taking that rawness and they're just in a lab and they're like twisting it and molding it and shaping it and turning it into all sorts of unique, interesting, healthier, sometimes, maybe it's full of sugar, it's not, but it's yummier, ways to consume cannabis. Uh, I love it when we get to have those conversations. So I'm sure uh, we'll get to do that. I have a question for you though, Dustin. We are in the the height of the scary season. It is October. Uh, and so we are bringing a guest on uh, who works for a company who works for a company that I have to say, if it was the only other thing that would be more scarier to me is if it was clownscience.com, which not clownscience.com. I have a really a natural <laughs> fear, Dustin Kava of lighthouses. I don't know why I'm telling you, like I know <laughs> that I never, ever want to end up like I'll never do a reality show. If I have to live in a lighthouse or stay in a lighthouse, <laughs> this scares the living hell out of me. I don't know why it's proximity to the water. It's big, long oblisness. Maybe it's phallic shape. I'm not sure what's happening. But lighthouses freak me out a little bit. Like as a whole, I have to look at the logo of our guest today and I'm like, I got to shudder for a minute. Uh, is that a weird and natural fear? I don't know, man. Lighthouses, you you down with them. They freak you out a little bit. Aren't they scary? They're scary. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, man. What? I mean, honestly, this is 10 years I've known you and this might just be the, the weirdest the weirdest fact about you so far. I I don't. Have you ever been I, inside a lighthouse? Have you ever been inside one? Oh, that's See? A good question. No one who survives does. The, think about it. It's from Scooby-Doo <laughs> back in the day. Who is always like one of the bad people, right? It was always the cantankerous lighthouse keeper was always someone who was going to be, you know, doing that. There's never been, I'm trying to think, I mean, maybe like Aquaman's dad. There's never been like a really positive person to personify the keeper of the lighthouse, right? They're always shown because it's a solitary job, bro. Living in the lighthouse, man in that light, showing the ships, the light nowadays. I mean, is it even overrated? You got sonar, you got GPS, you got satellites. Like, do you even need the lighthouse keeper anymore? That's all I'm saying. It's a very photogenic thing, though. It's a dichotomy, wow. right? It's a beautiful Man. structure. It, I, I don't know. I've always, I don't know. I guess my only, my only memories of lighthouses are like Pete's Dragon or something, you know? Like, I, I and, and that was a very lovely tale. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I also, I don't know. I recently actually listened to some stuff about lighthouses uh, and they're fucking, they're fascinating, man. It is a, 
that I don't know. I'm I'm appreciative of them. Not right, well, it is. Uh, I'm appreciative of them. I'm glad they're there. It's it's like though, like you're not on the ocean a lot. Like I don't know how useful they are to my life. I do like them in a good photo though. I love a good Windows lighthouse carousel. So it's a weird dichotomy uh, that I'm working. And of course, I wouldn't be having this fascination. Uh, this is obviously nothing to do with the brilliant branding that our guest today uh, has created the brilliant branding concept that go with where our guest is employed out that's lighthouse science you can find the link below uh, it's lighthouse sci.com uh, uh, alex sandorf is on here and i feel like you have an unhealthy amount of lighthouses in your background alex i don't know what your point is i know you heard me going on and on and here you go i feel a bit like antagonized i feel a bit of buttons being pushed uh <laughs> like I get it. It's a great branding. We're on Lake Erie. So it's a beautiful concept, but is there not an inherent creepiness a little bit to the lighthouse, Alex? If we had to hook you up to the true Sarah machine, aren't they a little creepy? I mean, I'm fairly neutral on the concept if I'm being honest, but I, I, I may have <laughs> chatting about lighthouses and, and had to go grab ours that we used for the expo. Though I haven't asked, what's on that uh, mug you got there? They're following you, man. They oh, found man, this mug right here, this would be my favorite coffee mug on the planet, yeah. Blatant <laughs> Promo, the Lighthouse Science Mug. If I have an issue, it's I typically drink right-handed. Uh, and so to show the logo on screen, I need like a dual mug, like one of those things, like one of those <laughs> coffee mugs, those uh, moose mugs you get at Halloween or Christmas time to drink eggnog out of, like to do that. Because otherwise, I'm a right-handed like drinker. Uh, so it's tough for me. But it is the Lighthouse uh, Science. Alex Sandorf, Lab Director, Lighthouse Science, LighthouseSCI.com. You can find the link below. Uh, Northeast Ohio located, one of Ohio's premier Maybe the premier. I'll say you don't have yeah. to say it, Alex. I, uh, the I premier so. processor of flour in the state of Ohio. And uh, we'll talk about this today. Doing some unique things. When you think of processed goods, uh, typically your mind always goes to chocolate bars and gummies. Uh, but you think lighthouse, you go to topicals. You go to cinnamon breath sprays. You take a different route uh, than where you go for that. So, uh, Alex, we're terrible at bios, even though we do a lot of research. So why don't you give the uh, crowd here, give the audience who you are, what you got going on, and then we'll uh, dig into uh, our unhealthy sphere of lighthouses. Fantastic. Well, hey guys, thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Alex Sandorf. I'm the lab director here for Lighthouse Sciences. Uh, I've been in the cannabis industry for a very long time now, uh, almost 15 years. Got started back in the absolute wild west days, Prop 215, uh, Senate Bill 420 in California. Um, operated in California, Arizona, Colorado uh, as a consultant, uh, Washington, Oregon, Illinois, um, Nevada, Illinois, Florida, and you know now most recently here I'm, I'm in Ohio, uh, but absolutely loving it. Uh, that's something a lot of people laugh about. There, as a as a guy just moved here from California, you know, how are you liking Ohio? And I gotta say, I was a Midwesterner my whole life, and I just never knew it. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, you, you don't mind because I know you threw in Illinois in there, so you've made a stop. But if it's a stopover, Illinois, you know, in the summer, it's the same as most places. So obviously, the one thing that you get from coming from a West Coast, and I now have a sister who lives in LA. She's been there ten years. Every time she comes back home for the holidays, it's like she didn't grow up in three feet of snow. Like she doesn't understand that snow exists. You can't comprehend. Like you go to LA, and your brain gets washed of the coldness. Uh, and I've got to think that's the first question that comes up when you meet your new neighbors. And oh, how do you like the snow? Are you ready for the winter? Uh, are you ready for the winter, Alex? You know, the winter's here, and I'm going to kick myself for saying this because, uh, you know, I'm sure life is going to kick me for it, but the winters here aren't that bad. 
Yeah. You know, I lived in I lived in Denver, Colorado. I lived in Vail, Colorado. I lived in Durango, Colorado. Spent a lot of time in the mountains. You know, I've I've been in you know a, a, my buddy's place in Mammoth. We got a 25 foot snowstorm in three days. Had to dig my truck out with a front end loader. Like we had to literally go rent a bobcat to dig my truck out. I mean, I've dealt with snow and and man, I, I think I've used my snowblower maybe six times since I moved. It, it's it's not that bad. It's just not that bad. <laughs> it probably it's, is comparatively. You know, and I sure I miss things about California. Don't get me wrong. Uh, in and out Burger, absolutely. Ah, oh, gosh, uh, yes. Double double, animal style. Yeah, it's my it's my jam. Good Mexican food everywhere. Um, the beach. Don't miss traffic. Don't miss insane cost of living. You know, it's trade offs, right? I've lived on both coasts, and I don't know Ohio, Kentucky. The this region somehow has my heart. I I just. California was like, I, I don't know. I remember going down the neighbors and just being like, wow, you have a really lovely garden. And then being like, fuck you. Why are you talking to me? You know? And then I, I, I even New York was the same scenario. It was like, it's very hardened. And then coming and being in Ohio is like, it's just, it's a big embrace. It's like I'm in a big bear hug in Ohio. Everyone is just friendly, willing to talk. It, it's, it's a whole different area. I love it out here. Absolutely. Uh, so you are, and I always find this interesting, right, Alex? You have traveled and you're working now, obviously, with Lighthouse Science. Um, and we'll get to what Lighthouse Science does. You got the links below. You can find them in a, a lot of Ohio medicinal dispensaries. And I'm sure, you know, we'll get to this maybe. A little excited about potential adult use coming there. But I feel like I've met not a lot of you, Alex, but a lot of folks with a similar story who have started out West when cannabis became legal and kind of traversed, right? Because is it spreads this way, right? Spreads left to right on the radio dial, as they say when you're watching a game, as it spreads from the West Coast and creeps its way across, you have the need for talent, right? You have the need for people who know that, but then you have these areas where, you know, it's this local talent uh, wants to grow and nurture. How is it when you come to a scene, when you come to an area to blend yourself in with being having that experience from way back and having those OG stories and been through that time and then trying to work within a new audience who are maybe seeing things for the first time, luster pods and all these other things that you've seen since the early aughts. And you're like, yeah, I've been there. How is it sometimes to remind yourself like, oh, you know, these people are still catching up a little bit to what has been normal in a state like California since the late nineties? Well, you know, it's, it's an opportunity really. Um, and that was kind of the idea when I came on board with Lighthouse and, and I don't know if you guys know the story of Lighthouse. Lighthouse uh, won their license in the original draw. Um, they had an issue though, the land that they had purchased for setting up their original operation on where the license was awarded to had some EPA issues that they weren't aware of, the seller hadn't disclosed and they were unable to build on it. Hmm. So they had to go through this long process to try and find a way to be able to move their location. There was not a mechanism in place to move the licensed location from where it was awarded unless you got up an operational and they couldn't. So they had a, a big delay. They ended up hitting the market very late. In fact, Lighthouse, uh, when I came on board was still not fully operational. We finished build out, you know, went through our approvals and got a permission to operate. Technically we were awarded our license at the end of August. We didn't really start operating until late September, early October and ma made our first couple of deliveries in, in, um, mid-December 
of 2021, we really consider ourselves officially in business starting January of 2022. So we were very oh, late. Wow, yeah. yeah. We were very, very late to the game here in Ohio. And that was uh, our, our CEO and my, my partner's um, vision. What he really wanted to do was try to bring just some top talent on board. And we have some amazing people on our team, uh, not, you know, not just myself, you know, sitting here patting my back, but we have some amazingly talented and very knowledgeable people on our team. And that was kind of the idea for the competitive advantage, right? Bring new things to the market. You know, you mentioned earlier, you're talking about uh, processed products, you know, chocolate bars and gummies, and you probably noticed that we don't do those. You know, why not? You know, the idea, the ethos here with Lighthouse was we want to do things that we can either do better or do differently, bring new new products to the market, bring unique things to the market, have a have a proven value that we can bring to the market, you know, not something that's just out there more noise in the market, right? So we want to try and do things where we can bring unique concepts or or you know a, a unique value proposition. So that was the idea from the start. Now, as far as making the transition to a recreational program from an established program like, you know, especially a, a recreational program like California, those are always challenges, right? You know, there's definitely things you get used to doing certain ways when you're in California, but you know, a lot of that's just compliance. And, and I've operated in a lot of states and you just kind of figure out the rules and do your best to operate within that framework, keep the regulators happy. We're big on compliance, never had any issues with the state. In fact, we just had a surprise audit last week that went just swimmingly. Um, you know, those are always fun though. <laughs> like, oh, hey, how you doing? All right, well, let's do this. Let's come on in. Uh, yeah, you, you're eating a donut on your way in. All of a sudden you look over and you just see the crew of bureaucrats coming through like, mm. oh, they want to see like all your records for like every time since you've opened and every every I you've dotted, every lowercase J you've dotted, they want to know it all. Yeah. Fortunately, <laughs> we're very good on that. Um, you know, it's one thing that I've talked about in the industry for a while. I, I gave a... Uh, I did a speaking engagement on this a few years back in California um, at, oh, what was the group? It was one industry group or another, but it was talking about uh, CGMP compliance and FDA regulation. And the, the idea that if you're not making preparation for that now, you're behind the curve, right? So we keep all of our hard copy paperwork, which we do in addition to all of our digital records and our seed to sale metric and all of that uh, up to uh, you know, GMP levels uh, and standards. So when the state comes in and says, well, can you backtrace this batch? It's absolutely. Yes, and I will pull out a 40 page packet that has everything from the original transfer manifest coming in, every test that's been done on everything, all the way through the packet, every step of the pay, every step of the process is documented and signed off and, and notated down to the 10th of a gram, you know, very accurate and very precise. And that, that keeps the state very happy with all of that. And it's great I, um... for, for patient safety too. The one thing I've noticed about you guys, and actually you in particular, is everybody talks highly of you. Your entire team, no matter where we're at or who we're talking to, every single person goes, you got to talk to Alex. They are just, I, there is something about that that is just, I don't know, it's, it's really authentic to hear them speak about the team. And I just, I, I would love to kind of know I would kind of know about that history on like what brought you into this 14 years ago and what is keeping you going after so long? Yeah. So I have a, I have actually kind of a fun story with what got me into cannabis. Um, not always the, the best luck, but I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at a very young age, um, right as about as I was getting ready to graduate high school. Um, for those that don't know, MS or multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune condition 
basically your immune system attacks the myelinated sheaths of the neurons in your brain. Imagine stripping the insulation off the wires and it causes a whole host of not so fun things. Um, so I went through a host of medications on it and that's actually where I got my first medical card very, very early in the days of US states having medical cards. I was actually to deal with the nausea for one of the drugs they had me on for my MS, which is an interferon beta blocker B called Avonex. As a weekly deep muscle tissue injection I had to do that uh, essentially it's a, it's diet chemo, chemo light um, that for the next 24 to 36 hours, you know, you have just the worst flu symptoms imaginable, right? So at least with medical cannabis, um, you know, I, I wasn't nauseous and I could eat. So that was significantly better. Um, and then I got into this process or this, this program called Greenleaf Therapy. Um, it's the major proponent is this guy up from Oregon, Dr. Courtney, amazing guy. And it's actually a raw cannabis consumption regime. So you juice raw cannabis in high doses. Um, and I had amazing success on that. Uh, I, I went into full remission, no other treatments for MS for, for many, many years. Um, and it, it absolutely saved my life. And it's, it's been part of this ongoing thing with this love for the plant that has literally saved my life and be able to work with it. And that's one of the things that really kind of propelled me to get as involved in the industry as I needed to get into, as I needed to be, just to be able to support myself on that program. And I'm not just talking financially with Greenleaf Therapy, I was consuming between three and a half to four and a half pounds of cannabis a day, uh, wow. raw for a juicer. Now, granted, that's wet weight, that's leaves, small buds, basically the bottom 50%, but you need a lot of biomass to, uh, to that's still that. a lot of biomass, it's a lot of cannabis. It's a lot of cannabis. Now, granted it's all raw. It's non-psychoactive. It's all THCA and CBGA, uh, that and CBDA at that point. So you're not getting any, any, uh, decarboxylated cannabis. It's usually I'm, I'm doing my strips, my lollipops on the bottom 50% of the plants at between, you know, week three and week six and, and getting those really early state cannabinoids, but just in high doses because you're juicing so much of it. But, um, you know, cannabis saved my life and it, it, I found my career. It's funny, like a lot of people in the industry, I came into it from outside of the industry. I'm not a, was never a chemist background. I was actually an F and B uh, student at University of Denver, um, you know, majoring in hospitality there. And that was the track I was going on in life. And then I found this plant that saved my life and, and, you know, it ended up finding my passion and my career from it. So I've been, I've been doing it ever since I, I got started. I actually opened up a delivery service in North County, San Diego back in 2009, uh, Swami's North County cannabis. And from there I got into cultivation and, um, started a vape company and ended up moving down to Arizona, started a vape company out there and then CBD company and doing consultation work and just have felt never left the industry. Loved every day I've been in it. All right. I have a really weird, I guess not weird confession to make. Like I think as a whole, I think the cannabis plant kind of smells and tastes not great. Like I like the heavily processed good. All I can think about is a person, Alex, who as an adult will pay a pharmacist right now to like flavor my, you know, high end cough syrup because of the fake cherry flavor. I feel there's no way I'm consuming. I can't even drink that AG one stuff. We are never going to get them as a sponsor because I can't drink athletic greens. It tastes terrible there's no way on this earth that i am drinking that's like a reality show competition i would fail to drink like four pounds of juice I cannabis it. i don't i don't oh, know no. what is wrong it's with you so i gross. adore the taste somehow the taste is it's so gross the juice cannabis it. is bracing at best i it gotta was, think it that was rough that was has rough. to be rough it was rough now i do about a lemon for every pound um 
citric acid is a good preservative. Um, I juice a ton at a time and freeze it, um, vacuum sealed bags so I could have it ready to go. Uh, so I wouldn't have to be juicing on a daily basis. Um, but yeah, it was, it was at best kind of a swampy root water flavor going on. It was, you know how like the next morning, like if you drink too much, you can kind of work out and you sweat and you kind of smell a little like whiskey. You were having Alex is at the gym and everyone's like, who smells like weed all the time? And I was like, just dripping it out of his pores. He's just like, he's like, who's the dude on the treadmill that just is like smells like weed? Like that's me. It's just literally sweating. Yeah. Out. I mean, at the time I was also running anywhere from 100 to 250 lights in, in flower stage. So that was just kind of an occupational hazard in general. So yeah, that's true. I don't think the smell necessarily came from the juicing. <laughs> <laughs> and you get nose blind to it. You don't realize, you know, until you're out in public and people are kind of walking up to you, you know, bro, you smell like a bag of sour diesel. And you're just like, oh, shit, do I? It is something that happens. <laughs> like you have, uh, this is so unrelatable, but sort of relatable. So I spent a stint as a waiter at Red Lobster. And uh, in, in the waiting industry, what you do after you've done, you know, for the night is you go to the local bar and you have some drinks. And a lot of times I worked in a plaza area where there was a lot of other local little restaurants and the Red Lobster crew, we were kind of ostracized because like the macaroni grill and the Olive Garden, like they all smelled like pasta and whatever. We smelled like seafood. And they were always like, you could tell when the Red Lobster crew came into the bar. They're <laughs> like, oh, here comes the Red Lobster folks. We're going to see food. It's kind of like that, but it's not as pleasant of a smell. I'll take weed over uh, Red Lobster probably any day. It's um, a good way to weed people out, too. You know, you, you make some interesting friends. It's a great conversation starter. So I got a funny one for the, for you on that one. So when we started Dose Vapes, we were operating out of uh, Bloom Phoenix's facility in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona up above uh, 7th, which is North North Phoenix there. And my partners and I had gone for a license in, in Arizona. It was a lottery system draw, didn't win the lottery, story of my life. Uh, one of these days, man, Powerball's coming in, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we didn't win the lot. We didn't win the lottery draw on the licenses. So we ended up coming in under this other group's license. We uh, leased several cultivation rooms from them. We had our own little harvest thing. We were full grow to run. We were doing our own processing, concentrates, vapes, and all that. But so we're all working in the grow quite a lot you know, doing that. The facility is lo was located right next to the FBI headquarters for Phoenix. Uh, which is always fun. <laughs> Great way to uh, mess with people, new hires. You'd always drive them to the facility, you know, and so you pull into the FBI parking lot, watch them just freak out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like bringing the neighbors a casserole. That is not the casserole those neighbors want. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the best place to get lunch there was this little spot, JJ's Euros, which Oh, fantastic spot. If you're ever in North Phoenix, I hope it's still there. It was, it was our, it was our, it was our jam, but it was also where all the cops went to get lunch. So we would walk in me and the whole crew and we're all in our scrubs. We've got little bits of plants all over us and we reeked a high heaven, right? <laughs> they walk in there and there'd be anywhere between four to 12 cops sitting there eating lunch. They all just kind of turn around and look at you. <laughs> like, hey guys, what's up? Hello. <laughs> yeah. Good time. But it's a different time. And that's the changing of the industry, right? You know, it used to be back in the day, if I heard a helicopter, I was flinching, you know. <laughs> and you know, but as it's legalized and changed, it's it's different. I don't think people even think about it as much. I mean, I know there are some areas, but even in a state like Ohio, I don't really think about it as much as far as like being like arrested for having a joint or something like that. I know even though it's not smokable, like it's not a, something that I worry about. And I know the farther West you go, right. I mean, it becomes a smaller and smaller deal, despite the naysayers, despite the, uh, you know, the crazy attacks that the media or some people will give to you about what happens when you legalize adult use, looking at you, Ohio or governorship, uh, legalize that stuff. Vote people, August, uh, November 7th, get out there and vote. Um, 
you have those people that paint that narrative and it's not really true. It's a pretty normal accepted thing sometimes, right? I think that's that weird narrative as you go for people here, like in Ohio, and they paint these stories, you go to a Colorado, a Washington and Oregon and yeah, it may smell a little bit like going more like cannabis, but it operates and functions exactly the same, right? It's normal. It's it's becoming a mature, normal industry. And you mentioned it being normal. And that, I think, was the big new normal campaign they ran. It was that MedMen, I believe, that that, that was running. That, that was ad. a good, that was a, that was a moving uh, piece of marketing. I really, I really like that. But that but that's the thing. It's just the, the changing paradigm. And part of that's getting away, as much as we love the old culture. I mean, man, I, I grew up on the old Cheech and Chong movies and and you know how high and 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 all those great movies back in the day but you know culturally we've shifted and that's that's the changing perception of cannabis use cannabis use is not you know i'm not gonna say never but it, it's not about it's not even just like only about you know you and a bunch of buddies sitting in the basement you know with trippy tapestries up in the background you know doing nothing it's you know the average cannabis user nowadays is just as likely to be an executive or your grandmother or you know a soccer mom or anybody you know i mean i i i have my, I have my medical card and, and the product i use almost more than anything else is our topical for my back and it's the least psychoactive product out there it, it's just makes my back not hurt you know mm -hmm. and, and that's that's what this plant's about and just shifting that paradigm shifting that narrative and getting people to realize that you know it's not this big scary spooky thing it's a plant that is actually really easy to grow, you know? Um, so I had, a, I hope we get home grow. I really do. I, uh, BC and I have talked about it a few times, but it's this notion of like, what is it about cannabis users where they feel the need to have to describe what they're on or what they're smoking or how they do everything? Like you don't like you don't hear of the lady at the the, the grocery store going, Oh, I popped my Xanax today and my antidepressant. You will hear the person next to them going, I smoked two joints of this type of flower, or I did this, and it's a very it's a much more vocal medicine and vocal thing. What do you, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, uh, and yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's just, so that's a cultural thing. I think some people just get really off on the whole counterculture idea of it, you know, feeling edgy or like, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's legal now or I've got my card now and I can, I can be vocal about it. You've been kind of hiding and, and it, it's kind of like cannabis has had its come out the closet moment and people are just being loud and proud about their cannabis use and, and how they enjoy it. And that's great. Honestly, it is, you know, it's just be respectful, uh, be respectful of non-users and people that that are not into cannabis. You know, even if you were in a state where you could legally consume recreationally, you know, and there's nothing stopping you from going out onto your back porch and, and smoking it out. Maybe don't do that while your neighbor's having a birthday party with their five year old kids, because you just need to be a good ambassador of cannabis. Right. Yes. Invite the kid over. That's what we're saying. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> oh, the parents. It's a five-year-old birthday party. Not for the kids. Not true. But yeah, you know, it, it is, and and you know, to some degree, some of those people can be can come across as not the best ambassadors. But it's interesting. I don't have an answer for why that is or why people do that. But I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it comes from you know music culture or anything like that, where a lot of the guys are just very open and and advocating for. You know how much they consume. What's a uh, Snoop? I think famously has a uh, a full time professional blunt roller. 
you know, I think yes. a lot of people want to kind of feel like they've caught a little bit of that clout, you know, yeah, man, I smoke so many bloods and, and that whole thing. It's like, all right. Nowadays, the famous thing to do, I just saw, you know, YouTube headlines. You get me every time. Ed Sheeran smoked so much weed with uh, Snoop Dogg, he couldn't even handle it and couldn't see himself, which I'm like, come on. Did you really? Like these I mean, days. I, I could see that happening, though. Like <laughs> with Ed Sheeran? Yes, I could definitely. And no, I don't think Ed Sheeran is the wrong person Ed, Ed to smoking with. Yeah, I don't think Ed Sheeran. You're not saying Sheeran smoked Snoop under the table. You're saying the other yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Snoop Dogg smoked Ed Sheeran that, under the table. I feel like Sheeran could probably, you know, down a few more Guinnesses than Snoop Dogg. Uh, but yeah, he definitely was able to uh, out to outsmoke him, as they say, uh, yeah. as the kids say. All right, I want to bring up here, Alex. Uh, you just mentioned it, and I want to talk about some of the products and some of the science that Lighthouse Science is doing. Right now, Lighthouse Science, Lighthouse Science, SCI.com. You can find the link below. Check out uh, where they're at. Find them at a dispensary located in Ohio. Uh, you can go on there, find the ones that are uh, carrying their products. And I would say one of the products, you mentioned it. Uh, it's probably something always comes about at the same time that Dustin talks about. People say Lighthouse Science. Uh, this particular product that we're bringing up on screen is really what everyone kind of goes to. Uh, the MJ Muscle and Joint Balm. Uh, I told you in confidence, but I'll say it out loud. I do look for it when it's on 30% special. I do like that days when the uh, people come in. Uh, but just tell us about this MJ uh, muscle and topical and why it has become kind of the standard in topicals in not just Ohio, but I mean, I, I you know, everyone I've talked about with this product, you know, maybe transport across yeah. state lines, hypothetically, uh, loves it wherever they're at. Tell me why this product is so awesome and why everyone loves it. So uh, this is uh, one of the products we brought out on launch, um, and this was a kind of collaboration here. So the original formulation for this balm is was done by Luz Gatiz, a member of our team. She's a certified aromatherapist, and she was doing this for her CBD company, uh, Nan's Knees. And it, it's a great product as well. And it's very nice formulation. It's a very unique formulation. Every single ingredient in this balm is either analgesic or anti-inflammatory. And so there's no filler oils. A lot of topicals on the market just have no filler. Now, when we took this formulation, what we decided you know, to implement THC into it. And my philosophy on, on topicals is the reason why a lot of them don't work is not that they don't have enough stuff in them, but the way the cannabinoids work in conjunction with your endocannabinoid system. So CBD in particular is a fantastic anti-inflammatory compound, and it works by binding to the base of the CB1 and CB2 receptors uh, throughout your body's endocannabinoid system. And it prevents the triggering of the inflammatory response. It's a very unique uh, method of action for an anti-inflammatory because it kind of prevents the, the fire signal, right? Now, the problem with that though, is it gets taken up and utilized very quickly by the body. And if you're blocking that for, you're getting 15 to 45 minutes of, of that method of action in your body there, it's kind of gone away before you can really feel long-term systemic relief. So what we did with this, the, 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 the challenge on it was how do we extend that? So we use a process um, called uh, liposomal encapsulation. So we make a nanoparticle and it, it gets coated and encapsulated in these lipoid spheres. Uh, in, in during our manufacturing process. So you imagine like a Russian nesting doll. You know, you ever yeah. seen those little Matryoshka dolls? So you've got a CBD molecule, lipoid sphere, CBD, lipoid sphere, CBD, lipoid sphere, and same with the THC. So it gives you about four to six hours of time-release cannabinoids in the body. And that's what makes it so effective. And that's what makes it so powerful is that it's a very long, slow burn. 
of release of cannabinoids in the body as your body breaks down those lipoid spheres, uh, those lipoid encapsulations of the of the cannabinoids. Um, and that works just in conjunction with the just fantastic uh, essential oils and, and botanical compounds that are in there. Again, no filling oil, no filler oils. It's, you know, Arnica, Calendula and St. John's wort, all of which are, are potent analgesics and anti-inflammatory compounds in their own right. It's got the essential oil uh, aromatherapy component to it. All of our topicals do. Um, the only thing in this that is not medically beneficial in and of itself is the beeswax we use as a stabilizer for it. So it's a good organic I, beeswax, but you know. I have to say it is remarkably consistent from first use in the jar all the way down to last use. I really, it, I, I really, really love this product. I think that there's something truly special about it. I've used a lot of bombs and sometimes they're either too oily or they're just something halfway through there. I had, you know, I have an issue with it and, um, and I don't with, with yours. I really, really, really enjoy your muscle balm. Well, thank you so much. You know, it, it's amazing. Uh, topicals are a very niche product in any program, right? Just by sales numbers. Um, this product kind of speaks for itself. It is the, not only the number one selling topical in the Ohio program, but right now currently the latest numbers we have through market insights on leaflink is we have it as the 22nd best selling product SKU in ohio of all categories wow yes that's um, incredible it, it really is incredible if you think only when people talk about bombs they're thinking about two percent of the two percent of the patients oh. actually using it you know and yeah. so the 20th product out of the two percent percentile of people it's that's an incredible achievement yeah. and then remarkable window into just how much work you guys have really done into the product itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we, have, we have uh, <clears throat> had what we call a fun problem to solve, which is trying to figure out how to make it faster. So we've actually invested a <laughs> hundred liter batches. Now we have a, a massive um, double jacketed uh, top and bottom <clears throat> mixing vessel uh, to make it in, in just massive batches. Now um, it's, it's, it's a great product, but it just says, you know, how well it, it works for people. People would try it, come back and, and buy the store out on it just because they didn't want to not have it. Though we did just bring it out now in a second size. So we do have it available in one out sizes as well uh, for people that, you know, maybe are a little unsure and want to give it a try. Though with all of our products, we have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. We would never want a patient to feel, if something didn't work for them, we would never want a patient to feel like they got taken advantage of or didn't get their money's worth. Um, if you excuse me one second, something in my throat here. No, that's all right. I'm going to bring something else up here on screen. Uh, Dustin, I want you to talk about this a little bit. I remember the first time I got to go into a cannabis facility and I got to see what we're looking at on screen here. If you're watching us on YouTube or on Spotify video, like a variety of shots of this crystallized yellow gooey material. And I didn't quite understand what I was looking at. And we're showing these on screen here. Uh, Dustin, when you first got to see like these diamonds and these crystallized, uh, aspects of cannabis what's your first thought when you see like this much concentrated uh, cannabis in one form i don't know man working in the head shop game i got the 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 our customers were always taking everything to the extreme and so i feel like i, I was selling devices to smoke your diamonds and and years before I ever actually saw it in Ohio specifically or saw the the push to put it as a skew in the market and I don't know I to me it's not about it's not about 
I don't know. I, I feel like there is an absolute necessity with many, many patients for high dosage THC processes. And I think we always think of it as it's some stoner kid sitting on his couch getting ripped, but really it's, you know, um, a cancer patient who needs three times the dosage of a normal person and it needs it to be happen quickly needs the intake method to be, you know, uh, just short in general. And so I don't know. I, I, to me, I, I just, I love that. It's, I love that we are creating in this way. And I think that there is a massive necessity for it, especially in the medical market. So I, I don't know. I love it. I mean, the first time around there, there have been, there have the very, very first time. I do think I was a little weary, uh, Kind of looks but like mac I'm, and cheese. If you look at it on screen right now, it looks like what I'm about to eat for eighth grade lunch, so right? It looks like I have white cheddar and regular uh, yellow cheddar mac and cheese. Alex, tell us what we're looking at and why it's awesome. Those are both sugars. Um, now, I'm not sure what batch that specifically is there. Um, that looks like that is from way back when. And I think if, if you're using the drive I sent you, it, it actually runs opposite in. Uh, so the most recent is all the way at the bottom and you're you're pulling up some of the oldest pictures okay, in that right. i'll find some of those while you're talking now yeah, you're, right. you're pulling up some sugars there so sugar is just a different form of concentrate you've got microcrystalline diamonds throughout it's where it's nucleated and come through but you know you have mentioned something that's interesting with concentrates and i feel like that's a stigma that has kind of haunted a lot of concentrate production for a long time and it's part of why it, it's taking a little bit longer to catch on in, in developing programs like we have here in Ohio. A lot of people are, are thrown by the potency. And yes, concentrates are arguably more potent than flour, right? But I worry less about the potency. What I focus on is the purity. With concentrates, it's purified. And the way we do extraction, we only extract the good stuff, right? We're extracting cannabinoids, both major and minor. We're extracting the flavonoids, the terpenes, the um, phenolic and polyphenolic compounds. Um, so actually what you're showing there, that is a pure THCA, that is an isolate. Um, so when you've got a purified extract to concentrate, think of it like, um, you know, a, a distilled uh, spirit, right? Like something like whiskey or vodka. Yes, it's a lot stronger. You wouldn't drink as much of that as you would a beer or you're gonna have a bad day, right? You just don't. You can go drink three pints of beer, but you're not going to drink three pints of vodka because you're going to be sick. With concentrates, it's a lot more concentrated than flour. You wouldn't use the same amount, but you also don't have any of the impurities there. So when you vaporize your concentrate, you're getting a much purer, cleaner experience. And the way we do it, we don't have any waxes or lipids in ours because they're not taken through with our cryogenic extraction temperatures. I mean, we're, we're extracting at negative 85 degrees Celsius. We're not co-extracting undesirable compounds. So you have a much cleaner experience. It's much easier on the lungs. You just use less, you know. Now that uh, THCA you pulled up, that's a, a process we have uh, developed where we isolate out the THCA and the terpenes on all of our extracts. So we're able to get a very pure refined THCA portion. Uh, and we use that, we test separately, and then we can use that downstream in formulation. So I might take that THCA isolate and the terpenes and then blend them back, to get, blend them back together in a flan or like we do with our vapes, I take that THCA isolate and I decarb it, not distill it, just decarb it. And then I'll blend that back with the terps that we've tested at a precise formulation so I can make sure our vapes come in at the max allowable potency we can have here in Ohio, nice and terpy, but they don't have distillate in them. They just have decarb diamonds and the terps are never heated. 
at all throughout the process. Yeah. I, 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 I think it's a natural progression in the industry. I think that at first when I saw the diamonds and I, and I thought about that process of reintroducing the terpenes back in, it kind of felt in some way like over-processed, but it, it, at the end of the day, it's immeasurably cleaner. It's immeasurably more consistent. It's it, everything I want out of a product, it, 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 it encapsulates. And so I don't know, I, I love, I really appreciate the fact that you guys focus so heavy on the science and, uh, there we go. Yeah. Those are some fun ones. Go. So it's funny you mentioned that though, because there seems to be this like persistent idea in the industry that less processed is better. You don't want anything processed. And I think it comes from people's you know, fear of overprocessed foods. And I, and I get it. You don't want to be, there's a fine line for sure. Right. But you don't want to, you know, have overprocessed cannabis. You don't want to be stripping the soul away. But at the same time, when it comes to something like a vape, the old method of making a live resin vape is you take your whole extract, right? You put it in a jar and you do a low and slow decarb in the oven to decarb it all together. And that works. But what are terpenes? Terpenes are volatile aromatic compounds. And when you're heating them up for a long period of time, you're isomerizing them, you're changing them, you're converting them from, you know, and you're changing the molecules and you don't have that same profile you had when you started versus doing it the other way with my method here, you go, okay, well, we've got very fragile, delicate compounds that don't want to be heated. The easy solution is, but we need to decarb it. So it'll work in a vape because otherwise you, it's a solid, you just will not vape, right? The answer is, well, just take the terpenes, put them aside, decarb yes. the, the THCA into Delta nine THC and put the terpenes back in. And that decarb, those decarb diamonds, I mean, that's, we're not really doing anything to it other than decarbing it. And it's a, crystallization it's a it's a very standard process it's it's very easy to do and the decarb isolate that stuff tests at 100 percent pure. i mean it's it's 100 percent pure well and i've it's to me it's the consistency as a patient whereas i may find something that works but six months down the line the the, the same name on the product packaging i'm getting a totally different effect out of it and so i've noticed that there is a lot more consistency. I can count on that product doing exactly what it was supposed to do and what it did for me eight months ago in the same exact way, eight months down the line. I can, or I can recommend it to somebody who has a specific condition or ailment and they, I, I can just trust that whether they get it from, you know, today or later on that it's, it is going to be the same thing that I originally recommended. It's going to be the same. And so I don't know. I just, I, I, I love it. I love it. Oh, thank you. You know, consistency in products is one of the hardest challenges in, in the cannabis space because you're mm -hmm. dealing with so many variables. Um, it's not like something with, I don't know, I don't know, uh, making cheese, right? Where you pretty much, you know what you're working with, right? You work with milk, you know, and, and yeast and rennet and all that stuff, right? You have less variables, but with cannabis, I mean, everything from environmental factors, genetic factors, uh, nutrient load, luck of the draw, everything can be different coming in and it's very hard to keep things consistent. So it's, it's a challenge, but it's, it's, it's a worthwhile one to solve. And especially with infused products, uh, downstream products, that's where consistency is so important. Every batch needs to be the same, whether you buy one in January, 
July or December, you want that the patient to have the same experience with that product and be dead on for that formulation. So we're able to do that um, just with a lot of testing and, and very careful blending and mixing. And the other thing that happens sometimes, especially in edibles, and I think Dustin, you brought this up as far as what may be happening with the um, MMJ balm is you felt like it was good all the way through the process, right? You know, sometimes in edibles and dosage, it could be a hundred milligram, say chocolate bar or a hundred milligram, 10 gummies that are 10 milligrams each inside the package. But if there's not an evenness in them, one gummy can punch you in the face and the other one can be like, yeah, right. It's some of, there's a lot of inconsistency uh, in some products. And so I think, especially when you want to use it as a medicinal aspect, and that's a real challenge, Alex, it has to be. And you talked about it because it's not a, created in a laboratory as we think of it where it's an exact chemical compound the plant changes and it grows and you can have a different strain even with the same strain name but with different terpene profiles hydroponically versus sun-kissed all these things are going to make it difficult do you think that is part of what keeps cannabis medicinally a little bit on the like illegitimate side do you think that's something the uh let me ask you this. How do we confront the naysayers? You know, we got some people maybe here with this year too in Ohio. How do we confront the naysayers who challenge uh, cannabis as a m medicine because of its irregularities and inconsistencies? What's a common answer you've given for that? Well, so that's a complicated one, right? And that's been one of the things that's held back cannabis research for so long. Mm -hmm. um, well, that and regulatory challenges, you know, historically speaking, the only way to do a study on cannabis was to get approval from both the DEA and then also the National Institute for Drug Abuse. And then they would give you the research uh, laboratory grown cannabis from, I want to say there was one university that was, or two universities that were allowed to grow. Yeah, they're growing that like 3% stuff. Yeah, the 3%, it was like 90% things. And so you couldn't do studies <laughs> on things like juicing raw cannabis or, you know, trying to figure out what these terpenes actually did. So the medical, the medical industry, the medical side of things, doctors and the healthcare field, are very leery on on anecdotal evidence they don't want to hear oh well this really worked for me or this really worked for my great aunt you know ethel they want to see studies peer-reviewed double-blind studies on these things and historically we haven't been able to do them and then when you also have those variables being able to create those studies becomes very difficult at best yeah. uh, or otherwise impossible so to eliminate variables they'll do studies where they go okay well we you know we're not going to have everyone sit around and smoke or vape joints, you know, uh, sorry, Ohio can't smoke, uh, vape joints. So we're going to work with, you know, very isolated compounds. Maybe we'll just do isolated chemical THC, Delta nine and okay. We're not getting the responses we want. See, we, we knew cannabis didn't work, but it's like, okay, well, THC is only such a small part of it. We have the whole host of microcannabinoids. Uh, we have the, the full spectrum of the major cannabinoids, your THC, your CBD, um, you know, then we have all the other cannabinoids that come in play. Then we have the terpenes, then we have the phenols, the polyphenolics, the esters, the flavonoids, all of these things that, that work together to have a complex interplay with the human endocannabinoid system that have their own medical benefits. Um, and by a lot of the uh, institutional studies trying to eliminate those variables, I feel like you're not seeing the same benefits you get people reporting every day from their use with cannabis. And I don't have an easy answer for that one, but that's that's kind of my my thought on that. Uh, I'm super excited, and I know Dustin probably gonna ask this right away. I cut you off. Uh, super excited about the advancement. Like, you know, I love having the science on because I think when you get to say, hey, I work in the cannabis industry, they picture you right now, you know, hands full of dirt back in the room, all the ganja black lights, and you break out like lab coats and glasses and 
foodies, foodies, booties and hand gloves and such <laughs> like that. You know, your, your nice quality, uh, what are they called? Nitro gloves, whatever nitro. we learned about gloves. Yeah. I learned a whole glove theory the other day, but thanks to Pat Wintucky from CCP. Um, yeah, Pat's the man. He is the man. Right? He is. No one, I'm... no one talks enthusiastically about glove uh, density and texture is <laughs> better than Pat Wintucky. If you want to get the deep dive on how gloves work and why my gloves are better <laughs> than your gloves, like that's the man to talk to. Uh, we'll put a link to Pat's episode. I'm, I'm a glove. I'll tell you, I'm a glove snob. I'm, I'm just giving Ooh. Pat a shout out because I'm. A is, I am a glove snob too. That's why I was so excited. What? Uh, what's your go-to glove? Uh, <laughs> my longtime favorite has been the Black Lightning. Um, it's a black lightning glove. It's a, it's a super thick nitrile glove. So it depends on what I'm doing though, right? I want to, if I'm say gramming or dosing concentrates, I want a thinner glove that I can get that tactile feel. Oh, but I when I'm it. wrenching, when I'm working on the systems, I hate breaking gloves. I hate ripping gloves because it's just a pain in the butt. You got to get more. My biggest pet peeve, and it's a weird thing, but it drives me just, oh, I, I lose it. When I go to pull on a fresh pair of gloves. Ah, and it oh, it rips right there. Yes. Sometimes you go through like two or three. Standing up, yeah. one, you're just steaming. You're like, I got, I got stuff to do, man. I don't have time for this. No, and it works. I was, you yeah. sound even like I'm trying to mix some meat, right? And I just put it on, and it's like, because oh, then it becomes contaminated. And I know yeah. there's a little piece of meat that's gonna get up there for my hamburgers I'm trying to make, and I'm like, <laughs> it's so frustrating uh, for that process. But <laughs> it is, uh, nerd nerds, gloves are important. Um, what excites you? Like, what excites you about this industry? What is coming down the road that you are geeked out about when you hear? like some of these new advancements we know the research is changing we know we have more people able to do this with the impending legality still hurt because of federal illegality but what advancements of someone who's knee deep into turning this flower into a variety of different chemicals what's exciting you that's coming down the road uh, inline crystallization is the next big thing hands Ooh. down that's the, that's the next development going on. In fact, I'm heading up on November 3rd to Toronto to go spend the day in the lab with the guys up at Genome uh, Sciences. Um, they have a new inline crystallization system. Basically, the idea is you use a propane anti-solvent to crash out the THCA inline in process, wash your terps off, recover your THCA, recover your terps separately. It's basically what we're doing, but significantly faster with higher throughput. Um, I just have a different method of doing it. Theirs is significantly faster. It's a different piece of equipment. So I'm going to go get hands on with that and see about imp implementing that into the process because the industry as a whole is seeing the need for A, the value of terpenes and B, the utility of isolated uh, acid state cannabinoids to be either be used uh, decarbed and used in lieu of a distillate um, or used for recombination into, into concentrates if you want your finished form concentrates, but being able to do it in a very targeted manner versus just kind of rolling the dice and hoping for the best. And I make my kick myself for saying this, but I think in a couple of years, distillation will be dead. I think distillate is, is gonna go the way of the dodo um, because the market hates distillate, right? Yes. And a yes. isolate is so much purer and cleaner than a distillate. It's just not, it's like not the same, it's night and day difference. And when you look at some of the other systems and methods of doing extraction, like why do people do ethanol? because it's cheap and you can do a lot of product very fast. And that's great, but you lose all your terps. You're throwing money away. You are burning money every time you do ethanol extraction. But if you do hydrocarbon and you are isolating off your THCA, decarbing that and capturing this terpene stream, you have better products, you can make better vapes and you don't have to do distillation. It just makes more sense. Um, so it's pretty cool. I think, I think that's, that's the big thing. And I'm very excited to go get hands-on with that system here in uh, just a few weeks. 
Plus, I'll be in Canada, so I'll go, go get some poutine while I'm there. Yes. <laughs> yes. I had a poutine-flavored potato chip once. Did not do it justice. Nothing. You can't take... Yeah, the flavored potato chips are almost all borderline and horrifying. Yes. <laughs> right? It's an issue, though, right? It's an issue. You can't uh, have... You know, it's not a lot of infused... Uh, there is actually probably infused chips. They infuse everything. They don't infuse everything. What's something that hasn't been infused yet that you guys are like, man, you'd be shocked if they found a way to infuse it? I can't think of something. They'll infuse yeah. anything. These stoners will put weed in anything yeah. they want to. Yeah, you know, I was messing with, uh, there's a lot of stuff I've been me messing with. Um, some things that we were told, no, you can't do it under the current program, but I'll be excited for REC. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you a sneak peek here for a product that'll be very excited for uh, for REC, mm. is um, take and bake edibles. Yes, so, yes, yes, yes. Uh, mixes. Yes. Like, like kind of like the pre-portion cookies you package get? cooks it itself in the package. Because we've seen no. a couple things where, you know, like it, they would have all the ingredients in there, but because of the shelf life of edibles, it's so hard for a company to keep it, keep things in the right state with the expiration dates. And so this was like an option where you rip the package, it then cooks the brownie right there and there, or cooks whatever, the cookie. And in 10 minutes, you have a fully, you know, a, a, an edible that is, you know, ready to eat. Um, what, yeah. what, what do you well, like that, but you know, just like the Betty Crocker cake mix, right? Same thing. Just open the, <sighs> open the thing of powder, dump it in a bowl, crack an egg in it, tablespoon of oil, whisk it up, put it in a, put it in a pan, stick it in the oven, pull out some fresh baked brownies and you've got yourself a, a ready to go edible fresh out the oven. We don't have to worry about shelf stability because it's powder. Yep. It's uh, powdered form. No, that's the way to go. I really, uh, I really like that. It's part of it's part of what makes Lighthouse Science so cool, right? You got the topicals, you have the breath sprays, right? You going on there with the mint flavor. Yeah, uh, we got the, the powders coming out right now uh, this week. Oh, do you know this, Dustin? Yeah. I did not. No, oh, I'm like, tell not, I'm I saw this, about to uh, mark my calendar right now. Like, we got to go visit Lighthouse uh, a, a little bit ago. I got to go in there, and you guys are always warm and welcoming. Uh, putting people All right, Alex, tell Dustin what you guys are rolling out in powder form. It's awesome. So we have a, a sub-brand, Lake Effect. Um, it's kind of a Lighthouse. It's it's, it's still Lighthouse, but it's a, it's a sub-brand powered by Lighthouse. Um, these are our products. We're bringing out uh, four beverage powders, infusion powders. It's all water-soluble. Uh, we can't say fast acting, but um, let's call it a time infusion technology, if you will. Uh, we're going to be doing an infused mocha latte powder and an infused uh, chai latte powder. They can be done hot or cold. They don't even have to be blended hot or, or uh, mixed hot, but you can just do a scoop into some ice, um, maybe some coconut milk or something. Works with water. Tastes amazing. Um, I just want to sprinkle it on my ice cream and just fucking eat it. Yeah, and then we're doing <laughs> and an infused erythritol, which is a sugar-free substitute for. We want. We always want to have an offering for for people that either don't like sugar or you know maybe have diabetes. So we have a zero glycemic index offering as well, which is similar to the sublinguals. But we're very excited for those. The um, chai latte and the sugar are dropping on menus this week, and then the mocha and the erythritol will be dropping next week. It's going to be interesting for this medicinal. You know, that's an interesting challenge, I think, in the medicinal marketplace. Maybe we'll kind of uh, close there. Is you with Lighthouse Science, you have all these amazing products and these amazing concepts, but it feels like you know it's a big thing to point out how the MMJ balm is not only the top selling topical, but so high up a list because there are so many options and so many choices. And I go to the dispensaries and I watch other people's orders, and very few of them are topicals or anything outside of what the traditional, you know, maybe some flour, 
obviously edibles and carts. How do you continue to move forward and how do you get the word out about these besides awesome podcasts like this one? How do you get the word out there about these unique <laughs> offerings to challenge maybe medical patients or even adult use their conception of how to consume cannabis? Because what you're putting out there is not, not revolutionary, but it's pretty unique in what it is. And so, but I feel like people are like, yo, bro, I'm just going to buy my flower and not put it in a paper because I'm illegal, right? That kind of thing. I feel like that's what they do. How do we sell the experience of something besides smoke it if you got it? Well, you know, it's tough because advertising is very limited in this program and you cannot do a lot of advertising activities that you can in other state programs. And that'll relax, you know, especially if we pass on uh, in, in this next election for recreational. But you know, a lot of it's word and mouth, patient engagement. Uh, we're very, very active with doing PEDs, patient education days, vendor days, whatever you want to call them. Um, so we get, that's always great. Get a chance to do, you know, get face to face with patients. In fact, it might surprise you. I've done a, a, a lot more PEDs myself than you might think uh, going out there and, and interacting with patients and, and getting face to face with them. So that's always a great opportunity to talk to them about the products, tell them what they do and, and give them a chance to think about picking up something new. And often there'll be a, a great sale at the same time engagement with the, the bud tenders or patient care specialists or whatever you call them, uh, whatever you want to call them. Every dispensary seems like they have a, a different name for it, but um, that engagement is huge. Um, and fortunately the bud tenders in the program almost universally seem to love our products. So we get a lot of uh, interaction that way. A lot of people being, you know, keyed onto our products and uh, that way, but, you know, different strokes for different folks, right? Some people like regular bud and there is nothing wrong with that. And there are going to be old school guys that want to stick with that. And that's, that's their speed all the way through. But I think the market's shifting, the market's changing. And you get a lot of, as you get a lot of the new school cannabis consumers and patients entering the, entering the space, man, they don't want to be doing bomb rips. They don't, or sorry, vape rips. Uh, they don't want to be dealing with bud. They want easy simple that's why you see the seltzer space being so big in cannabis right now right because it's simple it's easy it's quick now beverages don't work great in the program here in ohio for a lot of reasons with the day supply system and shelf stability and all that which is why we're doing powders you know it's a lot easier to ship a small jug of powder than it is to ship a crate of seltzers easier for the dispensary to store it and everybody's got water at home yes. um, but people weren't looking for that that easy simple friendly use thing right and it's going to be consistent it's it's not a it's not a big barrier to entry it's not intimidating you know and, and a lot of people are surprisingly intimidated by flour and it even concentrates i mean imagine being a, a first-time user you know first-time patient coming into the dispensary <laughs> sitting there trying to explain to, to this sweet little old lady that just got her card for her her glaucoma or fibromyalgia you know how to how to pack up how to pack up you know. Yeah, you're like, here's your giant dab rig. You got to take this fork. Here's yeah, your blowtorch. You got to grab it to it. It's a tough thing. Like, I, uh, yeah. as much as I do enjoy a good concentrate, uh, it is a process that you don't always have the habitual routine to pull off. And it's, it, we've talked about it's the most druggy of all the things when you consume cannabis to the whole blowtorch thing and all that becomes a lot. Well, the torches so, have gone away. Almost everyone's running emails and e-rigs these days. Oh, and fortunately, it's, well, I know I'm old school too. I've, I've got my, I might have a torch. <laughs> the, the I used that creme really one. The torch right? is too big. I'm a creme torch guy. I did a little something yeah. smaller. But things like the Puffco have absolutely helped with that barrier to entry with concentrates and then, you know you tap and even like my brother has one arm you know only use of one arm and so 
it's very difficult for him to have and use smoking devices that take two hands to be able to hit a button, have it warm up to temp, and with his one hand, bring it to his mouth and, and intake it's game changing for him. And so it is, especially when we think about the medical patients, we always have that guys as medical. That's, that's the type of barrier to entries we need to, to break and, and, and make easier. So I'll tell you the biggest advantage of these new rigs though, is with the temp control. I, yes. I, I, I shudder to think how many patients over the years, how many people over the years have decided they hate concentrates because they just roasted them out. And yes, it's 800 degrees burn. instead of hitting off at 400 and then 500 and yeah. then 550. Being able to pull each one of those cannabinoids off at the different levels. Yeah. Cold start in your life, man. I tell you, it's the way to go. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Alex, you are you are awesome, man. We have really genuinely looked forward to this conversation for a long time. And I am just, I know that BC as well, but we are, we are extremely thankful that you, you sat here for an hour with us. Of course. An hour is BC. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, happy to come back on whenever. So, you know, if, if people aren't uh, too annoyed at staring at the old bald dome here, I'm, any other time you guys want me on, I, I can't even get a chance to talk about, about the bald dome. nerdy stuff anytime. So. <laughs> no, I feel like we barely tipped uh, tipped the iceberg, right? We really tipped the uh, Dragon Balls, so to speak, because I feel like we're just getting going and rolling. Uh, but we've been talking with Alex Sandorf, Lighthouse Science, uh, a ton of products. Dustin really focused on the medicinal patient, and they are trying really hard to find new, unique ways uh, to get their products to medicinal patients in a lot of different forms. So thank you, Alex, very much for uh, joining us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you again for having me, guys. You are awesome, man, truly. It was awesome talking with Alex Sandorf, Lighthouse Science. Uh, you'll find the website, all the information below. Check them out, uh, especially if they got a great deal. 30% off Lighthouse Science is a great deal. I love it when those days uh, happen. Be looking out for those in my I local. I powder next week, man. I think me and you are going to have to make a trip. I think we might have to uh, make some on the air and drink some chai lattes, baby. I saw it uh, when I was in the facility, <laughs> Dustin. I, f I totally forgot to tell you. They got some awesome things of what they're doing. That's under the Lake Effect, by the way. Go look for it under Lake Effect. Uh, that's also a Lighthouse brand as well. Dustin Kava, thank you very much uh, once again. Joining me here each week on Because Cannabis, produced by Wayward Media at Meet WM. Brand new shows every Wednesday. 4.20 p.m. on YouTube, every Thursday on Spotify and anywhere that you listen to audio podcasts. Check out all the links below. Give it a subscription and all that good stuff. Uh, Dustin, we'll see you next week, buddy. Yep. Later, man.